an opportunity to meet with Blair Burns. Many of you know Blair. Blair and his family have been part of the church since before it began. Um, Blair's uh, an old friend. He was on one of the original church councils for Christ Church Vienna. And he's here to have a conversation about the portion of the Lord's Prayer that says, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So thy kingdom come. And, And we're specifically just talking about that with Blair as a conversation partner, but also to highlight our mission partner, International Justice Mission. Um, Blair, tell us a little bit about what you do with IJM. So, uh, yeah, so as I said, I've worked with IJM for about 17 years, and my current role is I'm responsible for our global strategy, and I'm also responsible for the product line that we we give to partners to implement our work. And when you first started working with them, what did you do? And you've been there 17 years. Well, I actually went to work with John Richmond, who goes to church with us, and uh, we were both working in an office in, in, in Chennai, India, to combat forced labor. And you've continued working with them since as an organization that has continued to grow and work to fight against some of the greatest evils of injustice that we see in the world today. And that's why I'm wearing my Seek Justice uh, t-shirt that I got from my daughter, who is part of the uh, the IJM club at her university. So, awesome. Thank you. Um, yeah. So, hey, we are also looking at the Lord's Prayer over the last week and the next couple of weeks. And as we look at this segment of the Lord's Prayer, Thy Kingdom Come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I wanted us to think about what does that mean? What, what, what sorts of things are a part of that? And even just how does that strike you devotionally, prayerfully? If you're thinking about just praying that on a Sunday in church or in your own life, um, is there any part of that that seems to jump out to you or push you in the direction of whether it's what you're doing with IJM or even more locally or in, in your own home? Well, I think the my sense of the Lord's Prayer is that Jesus is, is walking us through like what we should care about as as His children, and uh, he, he obviously covers a, a whole a whole breadth of of material. But you know, the thing we're talking about today is Thy kingdom come and 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 how His will is done on this earth. And so, um, you know, for me, one of the things I find is there's parts of the Lord's Prayer that that jump out to me the most. Yeah. This is one of the phrases that regularly does that thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It has for years. Um, and maybe that has to do a little bit with just the nature of the world that we live in. It's brokenness and that longing for God to come. Um, you know, when you see people, uh, good friends that are, that die of cancer, when you have to, uh, parents have to bury children, you read the newspaper, it's that longing for God to come, to to bring his purposes on this earth. Um, when we hear the phrase, thy kingdom come, I wonder what comes to mind for you. One of the things that I heard not too long ago was a kingdom is not a place in the biblical sense. It's actually rule and reign and agenda. So we think about a presidential administration comes in and they bring in a new way of doing things. Um, an even better illustration was one preacher who said when a coach, a new coach comes in, they bring a new way of doing things and all the players get on board. Um, and you see that when a new coach comes in to a team, the team team's ethos, its its priorities, what they're about changes. 
Um, Jesus comes to bring a kingdom. That's the main thing he preached. And in the reading that we had earlier today, Jesus goes into his hometown, reads Isaiah 61, which is a declaration of the coming kingdom of God. It was that the Lord would come to bring liberty or freedom to the captives, to set those in prison free, to bring hope to the poor, that the hungry would no longer be hungry, to bring healing and joy. And basically the hope of the kingdom in Jesus' day was the undoing of all the evil in the world. And that's what he did when he healed people, when he raised Lazarus from the dead, when he calmed the seas, he was undoing brokenness and evil in the world. And even the the Sermon on the Mount, where the prayer comes from, the Lord's Prayer, it's Jesus' kingdom agenda. He's saying, you want to be a part of life in my kingdom? It will look like this. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are those who mourn. Turn the other cheek. Love your enemies. Walk in these sorts of ways to live into the kingdom that I've come to bring. Um, And I think that that gives a a lot of depth to our hope and longing in this sort of a prayer, thy kingdom come. Um, As we think about the kingdom and what God intends to do in this world, the righting of wrongs, the setting of captives free, to bring hope to the poor, what Jesus was doing and calls us into, one of the primary ways we can do that is with the work that you guys are doing and partnering with you. What can you tell us about the International Justice Mission and some of the work that you do, or even just about these, the the current state of slavery and, and trafficking in the world. Well, so, so the work that we do is, is very much focused on, on making or working with governments to, to do their job, to protect people from violence. So that certainly includes people who are in slavery, but also includes uh, victims of police abuse uh, and violence against women and children. Blair, can you tell us about how, modern-day slavery works? I mean, most of us have either seen something like Roots or one of the other sort of films that were more recent or, or know about historical slavery in the West. What is it like now? How does it happen? It, it's funny because it it happens uh, in, in, in very sort of everyday kind of ways, and, and it's an everyday type of violence. So I was uh, actually, just before I came over here, was preparing a presentation for work tomorrow and was reviewing a story, and this, this story is about uh, a young man named Kofi, who was our, one of our clients in, in Ghana. And Kofi, like billions of people in this world, uh, has grew up in poverty. And not poverty like you, you have one car, poverty like you are you, your mom does not know how she's going to feed you for the next meal. And, and certainly can't afford to send you to school. Not because the school is not paid for by the government, but because she can't afford the things that you would need to go to school, like the food, like the clothing, uh, like the books. And so Kofi doesn't go to school. And and Kofi lives on a village uh, alongside Lake Volta in Ghana, which is the largest man-made lake in the world, and has this gigantic seafood industry. So one day, somebody comes to, to the village who is a boat captain, and he says, you know, if Kofi, to Kofi's mom, if Kofi can come help me, uh, on my on my fishing boat today, I would, I would be able to give him some some food to bring home, and ultimately, what we'd be able to do is to get him 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 into school. Now, it's kind of a farcical promise, and Kofi's mom probably knows it's a bit of a farcical promise, but but people in desperate situations tend to believe a lot more than they should, mm. and so she said, "Sure, take Kofi." 
And what happened was, of course, he put Kofi on his fish, on his tiny fishing boat, and by fishing boat, I mean a canoe, essentially, uh, and put him on there, and, 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 and Kofi then would spend, from that day on, about 16 hours a day fishing uh, for, for, his, for his owner. Okay, so you said that there's laws everywhere. How does something like this happen? If there's probably laws in Ghana against slavery and enslavement like this, how does it actually happen? that they're allowed to do this. Yes, it's 100% against the law in Ghana. But here's the thing. So Kofi's owner is a business owner. He's, he, he's trying to make profit on uh, his, his, fishing, his fishing business. And one way you can make profit is to cut your labor, labor costs by, having, by enslaving your, your laborers. And so what Kofi's owner had to do was to make a decision. He had to decide how he is going to pay for his labor costs. Is he going to use slave labor or is he going to use uh, paid labor? And so the questions that, that if you're in that situation, you might ask yourself are, okay, um, is it moral? Like, you know, does this fit with my own morality? Um, is, it, is it worth the effort to keep someone in slavery? Um, uh, how much profit will, will I retain or, or how much expense will I save by having a slave? What you would expect in, in a country that has a functioning justice system then is a fourth question, which is, will I get in trouble right, right. if I enslave Kofi? Yeah. And that question's not being asked by that owner. Okay. Because he's never met a single person who ever went to jail for having a, a young boy as his slave. And he knows plenty of people who have young boys as their slaves. That's how all of his buddies make Everyone money. else is doing it and like Absolutely. nobody's getting caught. So. And so the, decision, so, the, so the decision that greatly affects Kofi's life, whether, whether he's going to be a slave or not, comes down to this decision by this guy who is, who is weighing cost, he's weighing effort to keep people in control, and his own sense of morality. And if those things align, Kofi's going to be a slave. And so, what is, how does IJM step into a situation like Kofi's and his owner who, who doesn't care about the laws that are on the books, doesn't see them enforced? What do you guys do in a place like Ghana, as well as the other places you go into? What, what sorts of things do you do? Well, we look for places like Ghana uh -huh. because, first, I, generally, slavery, as you can probably see from that illustration, slavery only is going to flourish when, when laws aren't enforced at all. And so we are looking for places to go where essentially the law is not enforced at all, um, because that's generally where you're going to have the greatest number of, of people affected. And so we go into a place like Ghana, and the first thing we, we try to do is to build relationships with uh, people in the justice system who are, who are charged to enforce that law. So you're not enforcing this law, perhaps why not? Mm -hmm. um, and what can we do to help you enforce this law? Yeah. And, and that seems to be like... Um, for some reason, that's either they don't have the, the training or the, the equipment or they don't care or the things aren't being brought to light and they're getting some. I mean, so what sort of things does that look like to get them to, to, to start enforcing it? Historically for us, the way we have gotten people to start enforcing it is, is to bring them real cases in front of them. So if you are a police officer um, and you are charged and you're responsible for a certain area where there is a person held in slavery... We will bring you the case after we've introduced ourselves and say who we are. We will bring you the case, and it's got all the evidence in it. And we'll say, okay, what is stopping us from going and, and, and rescuing Kofi right now? And what's stopping us from putting his 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 owner 
arresting his owner and initiating a prosecution against him. And usually what happens is an official who is charged with, with doing that, when, when presented with real facts in front of them, they're going to, they're going to respond by doing the cases. Mm-hmm. And so we start to do those over and over. And in that, you, you start to see the justice system start, start to turn, so the police start to do this type of work. That sort of starts to flag some of the issues that they need to build, they need their capacity built. Social services has to come online um, because you're dealing with children and children are going to go into the social services system, so they're going to have to figure out how to do that. Uh, prosecutors are now going to have, have to come online because the police have referred a case to them. And so you're getting everybody who should be involved in these cases involved. And so that's step one. Uh, step two is to take everything you know from doing case after case and figuring out, well, what is particularly wrong here? And that is different from country to country and system to system. But once you figure that out, then you work with those officials that you've been working with over time and start to design solutions that work. So presumably that's what you guys were doing in Ghana at that lake, and that maybe is part of the story of Kofi and why you even know his story. Can you tell us a little bit about what happened and how he maybe came out, why you're telling us about him today? Yes. So ultimately, Kofi was was rescued, and he was rescued because uh, a police officer by the name of Mike Ba came with his with his unit, and they found uh, acting on some some intelligence provided to them, it, they found Kofi. They found Kofi's owner, uh, and they and they brought him him to freedom, and they they arrested the owner, and he's being prosecuted now. Wow. So the, think about that description. They rescued Kofi. That's the story of the gospel, is Christ came to rescue us. The story of the kingdom of God is God coming to rescue his people. And as God's people, I think that's one of our callings, is to carry on the work of rescue, both spiritually and physically. It's both relationally and economically. It's dealing with injustices of poverty and of hopelessness of physical breakdown, of national breakdown, like looking at all areas of darkness and pushing into it with the light, which is what IJM does in places like Ghana. It is what we do, and I mean, that's absolutely right. And I think one thing for for the church to take notice of it, it, is the way that we operate. There's a lot to be said, Pastor, uh, in the Bible about, about the role of government in protecting people um, largely from violence, and and the government has this very God ordained role in doing that. But the systems are broken, and, and and we see this in the United States where areas of our of our systems are broken, and we certainly see this in the places where IJM does its work. But God's people are called to repair broken systems. We're called to pour into the breach, because ultimately the the, the problem for Kofi isn't really about his owner. The problem for Kofi is about he has a government that's not able. To, to, to protect him like, like it is called to do. Uh, so, Blair, you've told us a little bit about the, actually a lot about the work that you do with IJM and, and how it works. Um, you've been working with them for 17 years. We began talking about the kingdom and thy kingdom come. And just putting the two together, I wonder how has your work with IJM, your work fighting uh, trafficking in some of the darkest and most evil places, but also some of the most hopeful situations, how has that shaped your faith, shaped your view of God, or affected your faith? I think when I became a Christian in college, and for me, when that happened, 
I don't know if this is sort of the state of the evangelical church at the time or what, but, but I had a very simplistic view of, of what it meant to be a Christian um, and, and what I should be concerned about. And what I should be concerned about was sharing the gospel with others and making disciples. And then sort of, I guess, everything else would, would take care of itself. And I think the thing that I've learned through, through IJM is it's just not that simple. Uh, and the things that God cares, God certainly cares about it, growing his kingdom and, and, and sharing the gospel with people and, um, and making disciples. He cares about that very deeply. He also cares about other things very, very deeply with a white hot passion. And, and, and some of those things are he cares about people in poverty in a special way. Um, he, he cares about people who, who are victims of injustice in a special way. And what he he seems to want is for his children, so people like me and you, to engage with him on the things that he cares about. Um, and when we think about thy kingdom come, God's kingdom is the renewal of all creation. It is certainly spiritual and eternal transformation, but it's also global transformation. It's world, it's changing of systems. It's when God does come and bring peace and shalom, there will be no more crying or tears or sorrow. There'll be no more slavery. Um, and, and our purposes are to live into that new creation reality even now, to recognize that that's what God is passionate about. It's about restoring all of creation. And that includes you and me, but it includes every you and me out there in both their spiritual and their physical and their relational and their economic and their whole well-being. That God cares about our whole well-being and calls us into that kingdom purpose in the world around us. Yes. And I, the thing I would add to that is there, there is great joy and great growth to be found in joining with him in that. Well, Blair, thank you so much for being with us today. Uh, please, if you know Blair, say thank you to him later on. This has been a great opportunity to hear from him, to hear about the work of the International Justice Mission. If you'd like to know more, you can go to IJM.org. Um, but you can also contact somebody like Blair, Melissa Russell, Eric Ha, who are part of our church community and work for IJM, and find out how you can partner with them personally and find out more about the work that they're doing. 